Hey, good morning. My name's Rick. Uh, I spend most of my time in Mount Laurel, and so when I come back here to visit you guys, I feel like like a visiting missionary or something. You know, I'm going to tell you about the, the great and, and exciting things happening in the far-off land of Mount Laurel. And uh, so... <laughs> But I'm glad to be with you this morning. I get to be here about every six or eight weeks, and it's good. And uh, uh, Pastor Jeff is in Mount Laurel right now, and he's introducing himself in the same way, probably. Uh, so, but it's good to be here. And uh, people often ask me when I'm here, is how's it going in Mount Laurel? And I always have to uh, have a good story for you. And so I want to share a story with you about how it's going in Mount Laurel. And uh, uh, our influence in the community is, uh, is really exciting to see the impact that we're having. Uh, I was uh, at a um, at the Taste of Mount Laurel. It's an annual event that the township puts on where about 30 different restaurants get together uh, in, uh, in one of the area schools and they bring samples. And then because it's free food, uh, about a thousand people show up because everyone likes free food and they line up outside and they come on in and, and uh, sample everything and then go home with uh, to-go containers. No kidding. I'm not kidding you. Uh, that's what people do at the Taste of Mount Laurel. And while, uh, so uh, some folks from Hope, uh, every year, this is our third, I think our sec second or third time that we've assisted at the Hope of Mount Laurel. And we just do whatever we can to help them out because it's a lot of people that show up and they need some help. So whatever they need us to do. So I was going to this event. It was a Thursday night and I showed up early. I was 15 minutes early. And I was kind of disappointed that I was 15 minutes early. I thought the drive would take me longer for my house. I had all green lights and you know, that means that you get there early. And so I felt like I was wasting 15 minutes. I was just standing there in the hallway of the school with nothing to do. And I'm a busy guy, so I could have used that 15 minutes for something else. And while I was standing there, kind of annoyed that I was 15 minutes early, someone from Mount Laurel who knows about Hope Church in Mount Laurel and knows that I am the pastor there, uh, but doesn't attend our church, has never been to it, never been to this campus or that campus. Uh, he saw me and he came over and we started chatting and uh, we we're just talking, having a regular conversation about our day. And, uh, and then I, uh, you know, said, how, how, how you been doing? What's going on? And he said, I'm actually having a really bad week. It's, it's, and today with yesterday was worse. And today, uh, I'm just getting through. And I said, Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. What happened? And he said, my, my dog, uh, we had to put our dog down and he, and I said, Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. And he said, my, you know, my dog has, uh, it's the first dog we got my, my wife and I, and, um, uh, we have two small kids, and I've been trying to share with them that we had to put the dog down, and I'm just having a real, we're just really struggling as a family to get through this. And I said, oh, I'm so sorry about that. And I said, I'll pray for you. And then he says, can I ask you a question? And I said, yeah, sure, ask me a question. And this is happening while people are setting up tables and they're doing their thing, and, you know, barbecue places are bringing the food in, which is really distracting me because, you know, you... <laughs> It's barbecue, yeah? and and so all that's going on. And then he says, "Can I ask you a question?" I said, "Sure." What? And he says, "Um, do dogs go to heaven?" And, he, and then he says, "I'm as quickly as he asked it." Then he says, "I'm really sorry that I asked that." He goes, "I know it's a stupid question." He said, "But I didn't. I don't know how to talk to my kids about this." And so I went to Google and I googled, "Do dogs go to heaven?" And he said, I can't really trust all the answers that I'm getting from Google. And then I thought I might see you tonight. He trusts me more than Google. <laughs> right? 
And so then we had a conversation about heaven and about dogs and how meaningful our dogs are to us and how important they are to our families and how it hurts when we have to say goodbye and what heaven it might look like and what it might be like for heaven to be there. Together we concluded that dogs go to heaven, cats do not. And I'm sorry, I know you think I'm not, I don't have cats, but I do. And I still believe cats do not go to heaven, all right? Uh, and I have a dog, and I do believe dogs do. And that's okay, and you can, you know, be upset with me. Um, anyway, uh, but I tell you that because here's someone who has never been part of our community, has not gone. He knows about us, knows what we do. He assumed because it was a township event, we would be there. And he, uh, he and I had this conversation and I would describe it and it connects with our message. It was this connection of heaven and earth for just a few minutes. While all was going on, we were having this spiritual conversation. And, uh, and so it's exciting. So I think we're doing some great things in Mount Laurel, and I'm excited about it. So uh, we're in this new series called Worship Plus Two, and we're using Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 as our base text for this series. And Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 is one of those go-to texts for Pastor Jeff and I. Uh, we tend to use this passage a lot. It's a favorite passage for us uh, in Scripture. It's one of those uh, passages that um, uh, I could read through and talk about all the time. It's the birthing of the church. And it's, it's kind of like uh, Luke, who's the writer of this, is it's the way that he's talking is the way parents talk about the birth of their children, right? We all have those, 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 those birth stories that we want to tell about when our kids are born and how we felt and, and what we experienced. And that's what Luke, I think, is doing in Acts chapter 2. It's this birth of the church. And I love hearing about this. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I, on Saturday mornings, we watch the season. CBS News, my wife and I, and between eight and nine is my favorite hour to watch that. And I sit there with my coffee on Saturday mornings when we're home and watch that hour of news. And then at the top of the hour, they, uh, they do two things. They always have a band, and sometimes the band is a new band I never heard of, and I like to, not sometimes, often, most times it is. And I like that because I get to hear some new bands that I may not have uh, uh, listened to before. And then the other thing they do is they have a chef on there, uh, usually a chef from New York or or somewhere near there, and they bring in food that they've prepared, and they sit it all around the table, and then the news anchors sit there and talk about the food and why he prepares that kind of food and why he likes it, and then they always ask him this question. He always signs a plate, or he or she signs a plate, and then they ask a question, and the question is, if you could have dinner, or you could have a meal with anyone living or dead, who would it be? And they always have different people. Sometimes that's a mentor, someone uh, famous. Other times that's a family member who, who hasn't been with them any longer, because, uh, because they pass. And so it's always an interesting question. And so if I were asked that question, one of the people that would be on my list, I can't say it would be the number one, but one of the people on my list would be Luke, because I would love to ask Luke, tell me more about the birth of the church. I would love to hear it from Luke's words and to hear the emotion that is attached to this telling of the birth of of the church. And so we're going to look at that from Acts chapter 2. It's going to be up on the screen, and let me read it to you. It says this, all the believers, Luke tells us that all the believers were devoted 
they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So Luke tells us, first of all, what these folks were committed to. They were committed to, or devoted to the apostles' teachings. They were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to being together. They were devoted to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. And they were devoted to prayer. Teaching, fellowship, meals, and prayer. And then Luke goes goes on and says, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Pastor Jeff last week mentioned there's a lot of talk about meals. They shared their meals together. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So Acts chapter 2 in my Bible is filled with notes and filled with underlines and filled with circles of things that I notice in this story of the church, the birth of the church. There's this divine activity that happens throughout this paragraph. If you were to go back and look at it in your phone or in your Bible, you'd see that there's this deep sense of awe. That's a spiritual activity. There's this miraculous, miracles are taking place, miraculous signs and wonders. There's worship, there's praising of God, and even God was adding people to this community. There's divine activity all over this early church. But this church is not just filled with divine activity. It's also filled with some very human, earthy, and tangible activities. I mean, he he talks about fellowshipping together. He says that they shared meals together. That's as practical and earthy as you can get, right? They met together. And then it says that there was, he talks about property and possessions and money. And then mentions more meals and says that there was goodwill among the people. In other words, the folks that were inside and part of the community had a reputation for being good in the community. It means that the folks who were part of that community that gathered together for the meals, that shared everything in common, that when they were going out, they were infecting and impacting the world around them. There was goodwill shared with each other. And so I see in this early chapters, the uh, the early birth of the church in this chapter, that there's this union between God and humanity, that there's this connection, this mingling between the divine and the human. There's this merging of the creator and the created, that there's this divine activity along with this very human 
earthy, tangible activity. Things like meals and miracles are talked about in the same sentence. And it reminds me, and in my Bible, next to Acts chapter 2, I have Genesis chapter 2 written. Because if Acts chapter 2 is the birth of the church, Genesis chapter 2 is the birth of you and I. Genesis chapter 2 is the story of humanity. And the storyteller tells us in Genesis that God decided to form humanity out of the mud, out of the dirt, out of the clay. And God was forming human beings, and then God decides, so that's, dirt is very tangible, right? It's, dirt is very earthy. Get it? See what I did there, right? That's what dirt is, right? And it says that after God formed humanity, then it says that God breathed into. So there's this mingling of the eternal and the finite. There's this mixing of heaven and earth, or dirt and divine, and there's this mixing that takes place, and that's how humanity is created, and that's the description used of what you and I are like. We're a mixture of heaven and earth. And so the same thing happens at the birth of the church, meals and miracles, property and praising, meeting together as a community in signs and wonders. That's the church. And I believe, and I know that your pastors believe and your staff believes that when we gather together for worship, when we're here in this room amongst the tangible things like carpeting and chairs and sound systems and walls and instruments and tables, that there's also a heavenly presence here with us. And there's a mixing and a merging of heaven and earth together. And we believe that that happens, that the divine and the human and the infinite and the finite, that these elements mix together. And that mixing together is intentional and it's important because it's what makes us the church. And without that mixing of heaven and earth, we're just the Red Cross or we're just another club or organization. But we believe that heaven and earth merge and come together. We sang lyrics today that said, show us your glory. We're not talking about each other's glory, right? We believe there's another presence here, right? We sang, show us your power. We sang, you have done great things. I wasn't talking about you people. I was singing about the other one who's here with us right now. We sang, we stand amazed in your presence. We believe heaven and earth are here and mixing, and that's what makes us the church. That's what we do when we worship. But often, there's an attempt for us to separate these two that we separate the physical from the spiritual, that we want to separate the everyday and make it mundane, and we want to things to be distinct and separate, that we have our church world and we have our other worlds, that we have our church friends and we have our other friends. But what if, what if our worlds collided? What if our worlds combined? What if we only had one world? 
Now, throughout this Acts chapter 2 story, there's reference over and over again to meals, and there's reference to eating together. Because the church, you and I, as we gather together, we're designed to be social. We're designed to be relational. We're designed to be together. And when, and I said this to Mount Laurel last week, I said to them, and I say it to you as well, when you're not here, we miss you. And when you're not here, you miss out because the church is designed to be together. That's how we worship. But we live in a world, we live in the Netflix world, right? The Netflix, Netflix world is the on-demand world, right? I never watch something when it's on TV. I watch it when I want to watch it, right? Isn't that how it works today, right? You don't watch something because it's on at 8 o'clock. You watch it when you're ready to watch it, right? Because we live in that kind of an on-demand world. And, and that can cause some confusion for us, that when we gather, we would think that we don't need each other, but we do because the church is designed to be together, and we're meant to be in a place like this so that we can invite God's presence, invite heaven to join us on earth. Okay, Whew, that was all the intro. Whew, but I've got time. I promise we're going to move through this, all right? What I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to you real quick about a story about G uh, with Jesus, then a challenge for each of us, and then we're going to have hot dogs together. Because I know you heard today is Hot Dog Sunday, all right? If this is your first Sunday here, let me tell you, you pick the best Sunday to come to church, all right? Because we may have donuts every other Sunday, but Hot Dog Sunday is killer, all right? I would have hot dog Sunday every Sunday if we could do it. I actually push for it every Sunday, but no one goes for it, all right? Because what says we love you more than processed meat shoved inside a casing, thrown on a grill, put in a floured bun with mustard, right? I mean, that's way better than a cream-filled donut. So today's Hot Dog Sunday. I'm going to be done. I have a shorter time to preach because we want to give you time to spend some time out there in the lobby hanging out with people and, uh, and all those kind of things. And we're going to talk about it again in just a few minutes. But uh, from Luke chapter 10, here's the story with Jesus. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. So this was all Martha's idea. Martha invited Jesus to come to her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. All right, so this is Martha's idea. Mary is listening to Jesus and Martha is distracted by a big dinner. She came to Jesus and she said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Now, why didn't Martha just go talk to Mary? Why did she have to involve Jesus? Martha says, tell her to come and help me. Because demanding things of Jesus works out well. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, I've heard this 
preached a lot, and I've probably preached it as well, that the one thing that Mary discovered was to sit at the feet of Jesus. But I would argue that that's not the one thing. That there's another one thing, and when we discover the one thing, we can then find out what Martha missed and what Mary had. But I don't think it was sitting at the feet of Jesus. I don't think that was the one thing. But there's one thing worth being concerned about. So let me try to explain that with Hot Dog Sunday. Did I mention it's Hot Dog Sunday? So right now, there are some people who might want to argue that what's happening right now in this space, in these four walls, is worship. So right now, you guys are, we just finished singing songs, we had prayers, you're hearing an engaging and compelling and inspiring message. And it's a wonderful experience for all of you, and it's worship. Also, at the same time, though, there's a group of six or seven folks out there on the apron, and they've got a hot grill and a hot sun, and they're putting hot dogs together. And we would say that they're working, and we're worshiping. They're working, and we're worshiping. But what if both in here and out there could be worship. What if in a few minutes when we pray and head out there to the lobby and you're all invited to eat hot dogs, what if eating a hot dog with people around you and in conversation with the people in the space could be just as worshipful as singing songs or offering prayers or listening to messages? What if what makes something worship is our attitude and our focus? See, Martha's reason, her one thing, led to distraction. While Mary's reason, her one thing, led to worship. And so what's the one thing? Could it be that had Mary seen her preparations as worship, she could have been worshiping. Is it possible she could have been worshiping just like Mary was worshiping, but differently? So maybe the problem wasn't Martha was too busy, but her act of participation was dedicated to the wrong thing or the wrong person. See, I believe it's possible that if Mary had a Martha. If Martha had said, Mary, let's go. We have something to do. I think Mary's attitude could have led Mary to worship no matter where she was, whether kneeling in front of Jesus or preparing a meal in the kitchen, because her one thing was different than Martha's one thing. Martha was distracted. Martha was focused. Martha was focused on preparation. She was focused on meals. She was focused on the things that needed to be done. Mary's focus was on Jesus. And so here's where I think the one thing comes into place. The one thing when we come to worship is to question what's the why? What's your why? See, perhaps Mary had discovered her why. Perhaps Mary understood the one thing, that she was there for Jesus. 
And if she was there for Jesus, it didn't matter what she did. She was there for Jesus. While Martha, Martha was busy working. She was there to get a job done. That was her one thing. And it wouldn't have mattered what her job was. If Jesus had said, all right, let's do this. Mary, can you go finish the preparation? Martha wants to sit at my feet. Martha would have knelt there and would have done it better than anybody else because that had become her job. She was focused on the activity and missing the reason for the activity, the why. Perhaps Martha, though, if she had discovered her why, she would have been worshiping through her working. See, the why determines a lot. Because when we know the why, worship leads us to reflect on who God is and who we are. Whether we're singing or eating donuts or passing out bulletins or playing an instrument up on the platform or even eating hot dogs, it can all be worship when we understand the why. Reflecting on who God is and who we are. And so my challenge is, what's your why? More directly, why are you here? See, for some, if you're showing up because someone else convinced you to show up, or you're just fulfilling a requirement, or you're doing this because there's a brunch or a barbecue to follow and seem like bad form to not go to church, that's your why. And like Martha, that's the thing you're concerned about. And like Martha, you're more concerned with something other than Jesus. Because your why determines what you get from your time at worship. If your why is that Steve's going to play some really good music, or my kids really like coming to Kids Connect and I don't want to drive home in between, or Rick is going to make me laugh or feel good about myself and then I'm going to go home, that's your why. But what if the one thing, what if the why could be something else? I'm going to suggest three possible whys. Maybe the why for you is the word celebrate. And if someone were to ask you, why do you go to hope? Why do you show up at 10.30 on a Sunday morning? You say, I am here to celebrate Jesus. And I'm going to celebrate Jesus while I'm passing out bulletins. I'm going to celebrate Jesus while I'm teaching kids in the back. I'm going to celebrate Jesus while I'm working on the tech, in the tech booth. Or I'm going to celebrate Jesus when I'm in my seat. But my why, my one thing, my reason for being here is I want to celebrate Jesus. That's a good why. That's a really good why. For others, your why may be that uh, the word connect. And for you, why are you here? Maybe it's the word connect. You say, I've been here for quite a while and actually like it here and I show up 
when we're in town. But my why is that I need to get deeper connected into my faith. And so for you, it's figuring out a way to take responsibility for your spiritual growth. Finding a small group, finding a way to get connected. So for your why, it's connect. Or maybe for others, it's, yeah, I come here, I'm here. Yeah, I'm in a small group, but I, my faith needs to be put into action. And so for you, the why is contribute. Maybe it's celebrate, maybe it's connect, or maybe it's contribute. It's finding a way to put your faith into action. I'm going to find a way to serve here or in the community. See, when we discover the why, it makes worship all about who God is. And we discover who we are as well. So I challenge you to discover your why, whether it's celebrate, whether it's connect, whether it's contribute, or another word for why you're here. It's all about heaven and earth mixing together. It's about our worlds merging. It's throughout the whole Bible. The reason uh, our Jesus coming down to planet earth at Christmas was heaven coming and mixing with earth. The resurrection is earth moving back to heaven. The whole Bible is a mixture of heaven and earth. The whole Bible, the goal is for heaven and earth to come together. If you read Revelation, the very last chapter, it says that. It says that, it says that, that God is on his throne and he says, look, God and humanity will be together. Heaven and earth merged. When we discover why, we start to see it all over. And we're like, I'm at the taste of Mount Laurel and somebody wants to have a spiritual conversation. That certainly wasn't what I thought would happen with those 15 minutes. But God has a desire to mix our earth with his heaven and make it one. That's worship. Would you stand with me for closing prayer? And I'm going to pray for our hot dogs. So God, I thank you for the men and women in this room. I thank you, God, for this time that we've had to worship. And God, I pray that the songs that we have sung, that the words that have been spoken, the prayers that have been offered, God, that it would not just be inspiring to us, but God, that it would be honoring to you. Because God, we believe right here in the midst of all of this earthiness, heaven has joined us. And we believe you're here with us. And God, help us to discover why we're here. To celebrate, to connect, to contribute. So that we would be in the process of conforming to the image of Jesus Christ for the sake of others. God, we want to see heaven and earth merged. We want to see heaven and earth combine the infinite and the finite. Dirt and divinity. And God, I pray that that would be our desire. 
God, I also pray now that you'd be with us as we spend some time fellowshipping together. Thank you, God, for hot dogs, and thank you, God, for the men and women in this room, and I pray, God, that we would have an inspiring time together. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Have a great day.